to Talking Schmidt. I'm your host, Eric Schmidt. And I'm Greg Burmeister. And uh, Greg, I'm excited about our guest today. It's our good friend, BJ Holmes. BJ, welcome. Do you, by the way, is it okay that I call you BJ? Yeah. I, okay. I always tell people, all my friends call me BJ. So. All right. Yes. Because <laughs> you uh, your, your real name is Brandon. That is, that's my slave name. Whoa. Oh, oh, my. All right. We're already getting into it. Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so wait, what? Uh, how did you come up with the nickname uh, BJ? Uh, well, my middle name, uh, it's a family name. My grandfather and his father and my uncle and probably a bunch of other dudes in my family well, what's were your, named what, Joseph. Okay, so it's Brandon Joseph. Yeah, but I, I actually, I didn't originally choose that just as my initials, but people called me that when I was very young because I was obsessed with Barney. Oh. And there's the yellow, I think he's a Triceratops, a yellow Triceratops who wears a baseball cap and skateboards. As like one of Barney's sidekicks? Like one of Barney's sidekicks, yeah. And the Barney crew? Yeah. Okay. Um, and his name was BJ. Oh. So I think my family just started calling me that because they were like, oh, he's obsessed with this character and he wants to skateboard all the time. I was never good at skateboarding, but I did wear a lot of baseball caps. Okay. So they just called me BJ and then... As I got older, it just stuck. Um, I've known you for over a decade, and I've not, uh, I guess, we've, I've never asked you this. Yeah. So this is interesting. Exactly. Uh, you you have one of the deepest, richest voices I think we've ever had. It's on very nice. Second yeah. only to you. Oh, no. For sure. I think you beat me. I guess we'll uh, see. At the end, Greg will give one of us a rose. Yeah. <laughs> With my weird nasally. <laughs> no. no, no. You sound nice, too, Greg. Don't worry, man. Uh, so, BJ, where are you from originally? I am from New York. Uh, born I, in New York City? I was born in New York. No, uh, actually in Goshen, New York. But Where is that? It is Orange County. It's upstate. It's probably about an hour from New York City. Okay. Um, it's when you start to go a little bit west Okay. <laughs> when you get upstate. Um, but it was weird. I It was just like happenstance. Like my mom had me when she was young and my grandparents were kind of finishing up a house upstate, um, you know, the stereotypical like black family from like Harlem and Long Island. It's like, oh, if we move to the suburbs, our yeah. whole life trajectory <laughs> will turn around. So my mom had me at 21 when she was still living in Long Island. But on the way to like seeing my grandparents, I was born in Goshen, uh, Arden Hill Hospital. And shout out to Arden Long Hill Island. Hospital, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lived in Long Island for like the first five years of my life, like right in Nassau County. Um, but I grew up most of my life, and I say I'm from the Hudson Valley. Okay, and that's where, it's where you live now, which we'll get to uh, yeah. later on. What, what was it like growing up there, though? Uh, very white, yes. Irish Catholic. Okay, so um, that was where you, you know, uh, got into the Gaelic. Uh, Soccer that you just told Foot us about? Football. Football, football. sorry. Yeah. So what is Thank that? You, Tell right. us what that is. Um, it is a combination between like rugby, Australian football, handball. It's it's a great it's a great game. Um, but I got sucked into it because all the kids I was playing soccer with, you know, their parents would see me on the field and then be like, we need this kid to like play on our team. Um, so they'd always joke that, you know, I was the black Irish okay. on the team. And I'd come in and it wasn't until years later that I actually learned what black Irish meant. Right. Um, and it is not a black Irish person. No, it's Colin Farrell, right? Is <laughs> yes, that is? exactly. Isn't that who they consider to be black yes. in Ireland? <laughs> So, uh, so growing up there, I thought, I thought you lived in North Carolina at some point. Did you? No, my, my grandparents retired and relocated gotcha. there when I was like in high school. Um, but 
my mother was born there. My grandfather was born there. So that's like the furthest back that we can kind of trace our family's roots okay. is North Carolina. I think the reason I was confused about that is because when uh, I went to your wedding down there, uh, th- th- there's a bunch of your like high school memorabilia there and stuff like. So like I just assumed that I'm just the, I'm the favorite grandchild. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, there, there <laughs> was like they have they're like they're, they've got like a museum of you yeah, started in like a room already. So I, I just, prefer I to like, refer to them as my cult. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, all right. my cult of seniors. <laughs> so so you you spent. Uh, you know, childhood and, and high school in, in the Hudson Valley, I guess. Yep. What high school did you go to? Monroe Woodbury High School. Monroe Woodbury. Yeah. And yeah. is that where you got in? I mean, you did sports as well, but uh, you're you're not all you're not just an athlete. You're also like a big time nerd, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think actually being the nerd was being in like such uh, my none of my family grew up in the suburbs you know right my aunt who's like eight years older than me so she kind of feels like an older sister wow okay. she actually went to the same middle school and high school that i went to um but most of my family like they grew up in the city they grew up you know uh in harlem you know wherever in the south atlanta uh, so me growing up in the suburbs definitely exposed me to a bunch of things that they had never been exposed to. So I became like the nerdy black sheep in the family. <laughs> you, because uh, I, I remember one of the things you showed me in your in your museum at your grandparents' house was that you had like a, a collection of swords, right? <laughs> yeah, my grandfather and I both actually. My so it's funny. A couple of summers ago, I was visiting with my wife. Uh, and my grandfather showed us, he used to be, he used to love photography and he showed us a bunch of old slides from like the 70s and 80s and some photos he took when he was in Vietnam uh, and just like showed us on this old like, I guess it's kind of like a projector, but one yeah. of those like. Yeah, isn't it like the circular? Exactly. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah, seeing those. old panorama type yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But he went through like a ton of photos and like there's photos of him like smoking cigs and reading x-men in vietnam Whoa. and i was like oh i was like i'm not the first but <laughs> a lot of those swords that i showed you were belonged to my grandfather oh, okay. yeah. and did you play dungeons and dragons and uh you know when i was younger i didn't really i was more into card games magic the gathering Yu-Gi-Oh. Right. um but i never really found a group to play dungeons and dragons with i think because i tried to straddle the line between being like you know, a jock and a nerd, mm-hmm. and I was an orchestra. Wow! <laughs> All right, it was just like a renaissance man. Yeah, you know, um, what were some of your favorite yeah. comic books? You were into comic books as well. You mentioned that already. When I was younger, I was really into the Flash. Okay, um, I ran track too, so it was just easy to kind of draw that connection. But as I got older, I think, I'm like this guy. Yeah, exactly. I really relate to this. I want to be that. As I got older, now I'm like really into manga. So a lot of like the Japanese style of uh, comic books, but they're serialized, like they're released every week. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a joke. It's kind of like my telemundo or like telenovelas yeah, yeah, yeah that i'm just like every sunday like itching to wake up well, and read you live right across the street from a from a pretty decent comic book store right yeah right yeah. around the corner Where world's end comics in, yeah. in kingston yeah pretty cool uh so you and i well you you share something with another guest that we've had on um robert dean and that is he I, black too no 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 we don't we don't we don't have black people on uh no <laughs> you're the first <laughs> uh uh he uh i, I saved his 
life uh, <laughs> at, at, at sea. And, uh, you actually like, told me that story yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I don't, uh, I, I don't think I saved your life. I think you would have been. I think you could have gotten yourself out of that situation. But I did see the panic in your eyes, and I was like, "All right." I, I was like, "Listen, I got you, and I'll get you into shallower water." I don't know, like you, you, like we were, we were by some rocks in Bermuda, yeah. right? And uh, and it's it's a relatively calm beach, but like for some reason, right next to the rocks where we were trying to snorkel, it did start carrying both of us out a little bit, but I could still touch. Well, unlike with Robert Dean, neither one of us could touch, and that's a much more dangerous situation. But like I just, I, 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 I you're the one that have told has told me that I saved your life that day. No, oh, definitely. Well, uh, thank you, uh, but uh, I, I, again, I, I, I maintain that I think you. If you were alone, you you would have saved your own life. I mean, I would have, yeah, I would have hit my fight or flight. But at the moment, I looked and I saw a grizzly man <laughs> with the full six inches on me, and was like, I, I think this man's gonna help me, you know. And for folks who don't know, Eric is a complete water demon. Yeah, yes. this man will go into any water, any time of year, any country, any tide. Have you ever and, thought about getting into the lifeguard industry? You know, <laughs> I should. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, there there's not enough in New York City. There's yeah. like a, there's like a shortage, so I guess I know. <laughs> They might be looking for some volunteers. Yeah. And I've already saved a life out at Rockaway. I mean, what what more do you want? That's quite what the resume. What more do you want on a resume than have already saved a life? Yeah. So, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll apply. Um, so, but we're, 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 we're Bermuda friends. We go to Bermuda. Uh, yeah. We have been and we are going. You again. introduced my family to Bermuda. Yeah. Yeah. That was an awfully nice of me. Uh, <laughs> you you lost, uh, but you, you, you're no stranger to tropical places, though. You've been to Costa Rica, for instance, right? Yeah. Have, uh, do you go? Have you been more than once, or was it just the one? No, time? just one time to Costa Rica, uh, and that was kind of on a whim. A woman I was dating at the time in college was like, "I want to go somewhere special for like New Year's and the holiday." Whoa, yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll go." So I begged like all my family. I was still running track at the time, so I didn't even know if I'd be able to like get the time away. But I just begged my family for like. Fifteen hundred dollars to Holy shit. do this backpacking trip. Yeah, oh, I mean, I got a pretty big family, so it was like. Yeah, yeah. And as an organizer, I was like, "All right, yeah. if I get a hundred dollars from fifteen people, this is cake." Like, yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I approached it that way, um, and then yeah, I was out there. It was great, and that was actually my first like international trip that I ever took, like as an adult. You know, yeah. like where I knew what I was doing. I had like my own plans. It was good. Cool. Did, but didn't something happen? Like you did? Did someone get lost? Oh yeah, I mean, I think all of us got lost in a sense, you know. <laughs> oh, One of those. Wait, is this uh, what do you mean literally, or is this, uh, well, maybe the real was, friends are uh, psychologically lost? There was one night that we had uh, a dinner, and it was maybe the second night we were out there, and I think it was just like you know, immature college relationship like fight that you know she went her separate way i went my separate way but we were staying at a hostel and we were near uh volcano arenal it's like that's where they like shot jurassic park actually Holy shit. oh fact. Wow. yeah um and we it was like super late at night probably like 11 p.m at night and i was looking around trying to find her couldn't find her anywhere and this hostel wasn't that big and it was also gated because you know, we were backpacking. Yeah. We were like out in the jungle. You sure, know? yeah. Um, so I'm looking all around, can't find her. I'm asking everyone, have you seen like an American woman, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, mm, I think so, maybe. And like pointing me in certain directions. And then I knew that a group that we had met at the hostel was going to uh, 
club later that night. So I start walking down this dark jungle road in Costa Rica, and I did not speak any Spanish at the right. time, right? Yeah. I'm just 21 years old, just like, oh, I'll go out here and see. And people kept telling me, and this is something I've learned a lot. I should have known this because I'm black and my wife is Latina. I should have known that like when a black person or a person of color, when they tell you usually like just strangers, when they're like, oh, yeah, it's five minutes down that way. It's never five minutes. <laughs> I've heard that's also the case with Italians. It's also the case with New Yorkers. Yes. Like, I don't even know. I don't like I, I accept that like people when they come up to visit, tell me that they're like, listen, man, your idea of like what a few minutes or whatever is or blocks. It's wrong. You're wrong. You're never right. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So, yeah. But yeah. So I'm walking maybe 20 minutes thinking that I'd be walking five minutes. There's no street lights. There's not really any cars. There's a fully dirt road. Uh, but then someone is passing me in a pickup truck and he's got a bunch of hay bales in the back. So I'm assuming, you know, not knowing anything, that this is a farmer or some type of worker Contact he's passing clues, by. Yeah. And he doesn't have any room for me. But what I could whip together was, uh, donde esta la biblioteca? Yeah. Uh, no, discotheque. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, you were trying to go to a library at 11? <laughs> discotheque. I might have said bibliotheque at first, but he was just like, oh, yeah. And then he told me, he, he was like, yeah, cinco, cinco minuto. And I was like, okay. Yeah, another 45 All right, minutes. I think I'll just stick on this path. But then he drives off. Like, we exchange for 10 seconds, and he drives off and keeps going. And I'm just like, all right, obviously that car must be going somewhere. I keep walking, and I finally get to this club. And it was like a fifty dollar like entry to this club. Fifty dollar um, like an American. No, you know, or? I can't even remember what the currency there was. Um, but no, it was like fifty whatever. You or whatever there is. Yeah. Fifty okay. units. Yeah, yeah. fifty <laughs> units of yes. some currency. Yeah. Um, and I go in, and I remember being in here, and I'm not a club person at all. You know me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm walking around looking for just like. Any white girl that could be in there, I'm like oh, we're in the middle of the jungle. There's not gonna be a ton of white girls. It's filled with white people, oh, and I'm wow. just like, oh, this is like the hopping spot that everyone from every hostel within ten miles is probably at. I so then you knew meet, you were really in danger. I knew I was really in danger then. <laughs> oh and no, I, all white people. This is no good. I gotta get out of here. So I, immediately, I found one person that I recognized, and they were planning to head out. At this point, I, you know, get into a car with them. We're all heading back. And when we get out of the car back at the hospital, I've just resigned to like, all right, I lost my girlfriend. Her parents are going to be upset with me. But also this was her <laughs> plan anyway. Over. Like, you know, like yeah, I lost her in another country. They can't trace anything back to me, blah, blah, I hope no one saw Man. us fighting at dinner. And then when I get out of this car, I hear her laughter behind me. And she was across the street at this bar the whole oh, night. Oh, my God. At the bar right across the street from the place. Oh, man. Well. Yeah. So, needless to say, we got home and broke up. But <laughs> that two weeks in Costa Rica was kind of dope. Yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad you're not, like, you know, in jail for anything, for, like, a wrongful. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. You could, could you imagine 21 years old yeah. college athlete goes to... Costa Rica with his partner she just Lid disappears just loses yeah. her yeah. I would hope that white women uh, now know not to go off on their own in countries in the Caribbean yeah. by the way I mean, especially not with D1 
athletes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean that just like at all. You know, like, actually, I mean, the one famous one, Natalie Holloway, got murdered by a white guy. But I'm just saying, like, just ladies have the buddy system. You know, don't yeah. go don't go off. Yeah. Uh, don't go off on your own. I mean, nowadays, your international plan costs $10. So yeah. how much well, is that your too. life really worth? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's also, that's the other thing. Like, you, this was what year when you were doing This that? was like 2011, 2012. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah. Like, having, like, the international phone plan much more common now yeah. than it was. So people are a lot safer about that anyway we like to have a good psa on this show um you uh, another fun back to bermuda though real quick uh are, are, are you able to tell that one story where you, we were on the boat at that abandoned um so sometimes we go on boat tours when we're there and one place we like to go on the boat is an abandoned resort and uh what happened with this resort <laughs> is that it like got uh i guess they built it and then they ran out of money or something and went out of business. And then instead of like, they were supposed to tear it down. The government was like, you got to remove all these like buildings that you built. And instead of doing that, they just didn't. And then <laughs> it got, uh, it got hit by like some hurricanes. So now it's just like falling into the ocean essentially. And some of them were like on, you know, that style that you see like in more like the French Polynesia where it's like the houses are on docks over the water. Oh yeah. So it's like, like that stilts. Kind of, yeah. 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 So it's like that kind of thing. Uh, so it's really cool looking in that, like it's falling apart. Actually. It's, 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 it's interesting to see, yeah. but so it's also a decent place to snorkel. Um, so we're there and, and maybe this is where you can pick up. Yeah. I mean, the, when you're on a boat for six hours, Sometimes duty calls mm -hmm. and it strikes at the wrong moment. But uh, you have a light stomach as well, though. Um, you, I you're lactose intolerant. I am, yeah, I'm lactose intolerant. I mean, also, isn't everybody like it's just not natural for any creature to drink another creature's milk. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> we'll put that. We'll sneak that in there. But. I agree. Uh, I've, I've pretty much switched to oat milk now, but uh, I mean, real. I mean, real cheese is delicious. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is true, and that's why I still eat it despite my <laughs> different able-bodiedness. But, but. You, yes, you, you. But you're, you're, uh, you know, you're a very regular person. We'll call it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, everything's working here, and so I went to the abandoned resort uh, because. Because I needed to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and not the kind you can do in the ocean. No. Not yeah. the kind you want to do in the ocean. Well, I think that was what happened was you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. We're like, just go in the ocean. You're like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I need napkins right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, I got to. And then you just yeah. went walking up into the abandoned resort. Yeah. And just watched you <laughs> and I, disappear into like wilderness. You guys saying that to me, I didn't picture it in my own head. But when you guys were like, oh, we watched you just like somberly walk off into the abandoned <laughs> resort and it was just this weird sight um and then i returned you know did you go in a toilet uh no i mean it, everything was falling apart i didn't want to go inside anything yeah and it's I pretty scary of, yeah yeah i just went to the other side where i didn't think any of you would see me i did my <laughs> we weren't going looking for you <laughs> yeah well you know we saw the direction you walked and none of us went that direction <laughs> right? just turned yeah, yeah. turn around <laughs> but yeah i had to go i did bury it because that's what a good camper does yeah um and yeah that was i did my business and left <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you, you do like camping by the way, and you're always trying to get me to go with you. And like, um, I feel bad cause I don't like camping. Um, what, what, what got you into it? Um, there's, I don't know, just the freedom of, I'm a big, like, you know, when I vacation, even when we go to Bermuda, we could be there for a week and there's at least one day that I'm just like, I'm not doing anything. You yeah. know, and you guys go to the beach and you run all your errands and have all your fun and then you come back to the house and... 
I'm still where you like. What'd you do today? And you're like, I have nothing. I'm just, yeah. I'm just sat here the whole time. And that's the beauty. <laughs> Went of to the bathroom twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been doing today. That's the beauty I of camping, ca- though. I you got don't. caught up on my shitting while you were gone. <laughs> I never have to get caught up because everything's so regular. Yeah. It's like, the program is pooped in the abandoned yeah. resort a couple times. <laughs> uh, you also, but the one thing that uh, that I share uh, your love of, I'm not. I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm quite at your level, but we uh, we like board games a lot. Oh yeah. And you introduced me to a really fun board game called Secret Hitler, uh, which uh, you know is kind of a jarring name, but it, uh, <laughs> but it's a pretty innocent game. It, 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 it's basically what, what what do people usually say it's like? It's like a uh, there's some game. There's, there's like a childhood. Genre, there's like a ch- oh the childhood version uh, like Mafia. Mafia. Yeah, oh, yeah. We used to play Mafia. All yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that where like someone you know you you someone finds out they're the bad guy or whatever, and then like you you kind of you, you all. It's kind of like Clue a little yeah, bit, like too, a detective you know? yeah. style. Yeah, it's like a detective game. And uh, yeah, the got- genre they call it is social deduction. Okay. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So you got me into that one, and that's one. That's probably one of my top three favorite board games of all time. Love that one. But, but when you travel, though, you put tape like black tape over the word Hitler. Yeah. Which I'm like, that makes it oh, more suspicious looking. Because then if they like uncover it, they're like, what? He was trying to cover it up. What? <laughs> what? Like, I just feel like just just traveling with it the way it is is probably the safest way. You Do you see, still cover it up? I, I mean, I just put the tape on it. In, <laughs> and literally, like, Greg, you should see the box one day. There's like. 12 instances of Hitler being written on the box in yeah. different areas and I put like black masking tape on each Amazing. area this, thing, um, this thing's been around but it, it's so secret this Hitler exactly <laughs> well see the thing is the, the guys who made it and actually I, I met a couple of the guys who worked on it um, at this board game convention I went to in December you go to convention? oh yeah <laughs> oh that. yeah man this is in peak. Philly too you might be the nerdiest person we've ever had on this podcast and that's saying something Good. By the way, have you seen some of our oh, guys? I've seen, I'm looking oh at the wall right God. now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think for me, the first thing was like, uh, you know, I definitely don't want to have that kind of just come out of my bag and then like have people at the airport be like, what the fuck? But <laughs> international, yeah, I mean, international traveling, I could see where it might be a bit of a concern. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think like American uh, TSA agents would be that concerned over it. You'd be shocked, man. I, yeah. my, cause some of my family, my in-laws live in California and I bring like magic cards or like, you know, Digimon cards, whatever game I want to bring for the week. I'll bring that with me. Every single time, and I've got pre-check and global entry. Every single time, they're grabbing my bag and they're like, "What's in this box?" And I'm like, "Cardboard. It's just like cards." Yeah. And then they'll open it and look at it, and they're like, "He's like Pokemon cards." And I'm like, "Kind of." Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, "Okay." And they like give me my bag back, and I'm just like, "It's crazy how cardboard can set people off like that." So I'm like, "I don't need them to take out the cardboard and see that it says Hitler." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good on this. I mean, honestly, I would be worried the other direction. I would be worried that since they're working for, uh, you know, the United States government in a, like, police kind of thing, I'd be worried they might be a little too into Hitler, you know? We need you to come to the back room for recruitment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? You're into him? Wouldn't have thought that. Hey, come talk to us. Um, One time I was traveling with the board game Scategories, which I'm sure you've played before, has a a timer, though, which... Like uh, started going off in the security line, and it doesn't not sound like a bomb. <laughs> yeah. It's like a very 
Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I got some, and they were like, what the hell is that? And I was like, it's a board game. Just open it quick, you know, and I just bring my hands up. <laughs> open it quick. It's going to blow. Yeah, yeah, open it quick. Yeah, coming from a guy who looks like me. Cut the red wire. <laughs> I got to go. Um, uh, so uh, let's let's switch gears here real quick. I uh, We talked about your wedding a little bit. Uh, already, um, your mom sang at it, and uh, yeah. what an amazing singer she is, uh, Greg. Uh, his, his, so his mother sang at his wedding. Uh, what song did she sing, by the way? That was like the before the wedding, like or as um, it was starting. It was an India Ari song. Uh, it was like a guitarist and like, you don't know, songwriter. do you? I don't know the name <laughs> of the song at all. It, it's funny. I I wanted oh her to God. sing a different song. Oh, okay. But then it's like you know when you like have a song that you like between you as a couple, and yeah. then you're like, oh yeah, let's have someone sing this. And then it's like just a little too sexy yeah, to be sure. like walking and, down the and aisle to, and, <laughs> and having then, your mother yeah, sing. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then to also ask your mom to sing it. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, I get it. So we, we, she had an audible at the last minute. She didn't even tell me she was gonna. You know, oh, I knew she wasn't gonna do the song we asked, but she was like, "I got it. Don't worry." And I just wanted to be surprised, but oh, okay, that's know. very nice. Uh, so she sang it beautifully, and it was outdoors. It was on uh, a lake in North Carolina, up in the, up in like the hills or the mountains. And um, it was so funny when she got done, just like some you know mountain person just yelled <laughs> in the distance, "Woo!" Yeah, <laughs> it was great. That's when you know you nailed it. When some guy who's not even there starts cheering, yeah, <laughs> guy probably hasn't heard a human voice. <laughs> yeah, right. He was like, "I've been so lonely." He was, yeah, send, he was send brisket. He, he was preparing for the insurrection. I think, and he's like, "Oh man, that sounds great." <laughs> uh, I went. I was one of few people uh, who went to both of your weddings, uh, yes. which was very nice because you guys had one out in California as well, where where your wife is from yeah. um and uh where where in california was that, uh, that where was, was i, I <laughs> that was in uh, i wasn't actually thermal. invited to that one by the way i just happened to be out there and got to come <laughs> i just happened to be out in california I knew, we knew you guys would be out there so you weren't invited <laughs> okay all right uh but that was super fun um we at your but then back to your one in north carolina uh, a funny thing happened we like your your father-in-law was i guess he was staying no my Uncle, oh, was it my father? Yeah, it was Victoria's dad. Okay, so he's he's. I thought out. you were talking about a different story. <laughs> uh, well, you should tell whatever one you think I'm talking about in a second. But so uh, we, uh, what, what were you calling that room that like where all the booze and all the food was? What were you calling? There was a nickname hey. for that room. It was like the the hospitality room. Yeah, or hospitality something. room. Yeah. That's what they were calling it. So after the wedding, we get back, and after the wedding and after the reception, we get back to the hotel uh, for the after party, and. Uh, uh, we we were like okay. I, I think we were told uh, we'll meet in the reception or in the uh, you know the hospitality room. So we go there and it's just Victoria's dad watching like a Yankees game in there. And we're like, oh, I guess we must be the first ones here. All right, no big deal. So and he's just laying on the bed having a drink. By the way, <laughs> fully fully clothed, laying on the bed having a drink, watching the game. So we're like, all right. I'm well, surprised you caught him fully clothed. <laughs> we're like, all right, this is cool. So we mix, we you know we make ourselves a drink. We're just kind of sitting there watching the Yankees game, talking about old New York shit with. Him him and having a good old time and then uh and then uh, about an hour goes by and we're like where the hell is everybody and then you text us hey why aren't you guys in this room we're in upstairs partying you're just watching entire yankees i was like we're watching baseball victoria's dad <laughs> you, you did have all the booze yeah. and snacks though we yeah. had none of that in our room <laughs> no but we get up there man and it was 
packed that room it was yeah. just like people just like you couldn't move everyone was just sitting on the floor having a great time though it was it was so much fun i mean what, what else is the holiday in for now did you guys, did you guys <laughs> end up getting shut down did the did anyone did. come by okay yeah the hotel it's so funny too we're talking about like monroe north carolina virtually the middle of nowhere 40 minutes from charlotte we had like almost the entire hotel booked with all of our guests right so no one was complaining, but it was like the hotel manager just really wanted to like assert his authority. Mm. And one of those guys who wears like the like security jacket, oh, right. you can clearly tell like he ordered it himself off Etsy, <laughs> you know, like that no one gave you that. Yeah, he's um, not a certified security. Yeah, exactly. He's got no training. Yeah. It was clearly knit. Desk. It was clearly knit by someone. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then he was just kept threatening. He's like, I'm going to call the police. We're getting complaints. <laughs> Um, and then the cops did come oh, at like 2 a.m. or something. And then, but at that point, we had just sent everyone back to their rooms. And then the cop came and was like, hey, they called us down. They said they didn't get any complaints. And then one of my friends, uh, you know, you may have met Francis Franny. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. One of my friends was just like, you know, she was a bulldog. She was just like, who's complaining? And they were like, well, we're getting complaints. We don't have to disclose that. And then she was like, we've booked the entire hotel. We yeah. need to know who's complaining. It's clearly the, it's the guy with like, the fake security yeah. jacket. Yeah, yeah. And the guy with the security jacket was like standing back there with his arms <laughs> ah, folded and stuff. Oh. You know, it's just, it like was very embarrassing the guy with him, Yeah, but. the guy with the fake badge had to call the guys with the real yeah. badges. That's never And then fun. those guys, you know, they came across and they were just like, well, it looks like everybody's out of the room anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You really made that guy guys. look insane. Yeah. No, no, officer, I'm telling you, they were, they were loud <laughs> yeah. earlier, I swear. I don't know what they were doing there. Classic Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you recently quit smoking weed, right? I did. I did. Congratulations. For a period of time. I'm back. Oh. You were always very popular at our uh, at our Thanksgivings, by the way, because like, we always had a lot of booze, and then obviously we were supplying the food as well, And that, that, but you were always uh, reliable with the weed. Like, So everyone would go upstairs with you onto the roof and then come back very hungry. But then also, <laughs> after you eat Thanksgiving, holy cow, is everyone tired after that? If you yeah. smoke and then do that and then have a whiskey, you're going into a coma. Oh, man yeah <laughs> uh didn't you didn't you have like a, a weed uh you know uh, what would you call that like a weed uh faux pas no no not uh, well yeah maybe but like uh, an adventure in thailand didn't you oh man which i don't want to yeah. get you in trouble with the folks in thailand by the way but so you know you can tell <laughs> i this mean i'm home now so okay all right don't go um, back for a while <laughs> no yeah i mean that actually that one decision i swore off ever using or looking for drugs in another country yeah period fair lesson to learn <laughs> yeah. good lesson uh but no yeah i went out there uh the timing was weird so our our first wedding you know we did is an emergency kind of doing it because uh our grandfather was diagnosed with cancer and we didn't think he would make it to the north carolina one so my like bachelor trip was actually scheduled for like a month after that California one. Okay. So I got married, then went on the bachelor trip mm -hmm. and then got married again later that year. Very nice. But on that trip, we uh, went to Bangalore road, which is like the red light district in Thailand um, on Phuket. And it was me and five other guys. We 
we're just walking down and you know you get assaulted on that road you know it's like the like that's where like the majority of the sex work industry like happens on phuket and it's very in your face so there are people like coming through oh man i remember like me and my friends almost got into like a fight but you know obviously like maintained our composure but i had locks at the time i was like just starting to grow my locks maybe a year or so before that and a guy kept coming up to me and like tugging on my hair and being like oh cool hair bro come with me and like pulling me by my hair and i was like i'm gonna hurt this dude yeah. and i'm like you know it's like 101 don't yeah, do exactly. that get your paws I'm like off me. i'm in this other country and like me and all my american friends are towering over people it's like we're gonna stick out like a sore thumb we're not gonna be able to just like slide this dude and then run you know? like someone's gonna know where we are at all times um so we were just like all right just like started talking to him and tried to like de-escalate it and we were like that's not cool man like talking to him blah blah and then he shows us this like laminated sheet and he's like come come see he's like i got ping pong show and he kept doing this thing with his mouth he was like mm-hmm. and i was yes. like what but then, I, think, like, I think I know what that means. Yeah, I've yeah. been on the internet long enough yeah, as yeah, a millennial yeah, yeah. to yeah. know, like, to put it together. And I was just like, dude, I was like, gross. I was like, no way, man. But, and he's like, what else do you want? And then he flips over this laminated sheet and shows me, like, there's, like, a goldfish in, like, a thing. And it's, like, A. Then it's, like, B. And there's, like, a marijuana leaf. And then C. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. And I pointed at the marijuana <laughs> B, B, leaf. B is fine. I was like, I don't know about the goldfish. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> to this day, I've heard some stories, but I'm staying away from that. And uh, I was pointing at B. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have been looking, like, can can I smoke here? And he's Oh, I like, thought you were going to say you went to a place and the lady shot weed out of her vagina at you. No. Ah, but that's, that's what I've heard about the ping pong balls and the goldfish. No, I know. You know? <laughs> that's not a bad assumption. Okay, so the, so the weed, no vagina yeah, involved. No. All right. So he's like, yeah, we follow him for a couple of minutes. And we go down this alley. And there's a lot of these alleys that kind of just lead to nothing mm-hmm. in that area. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're like service tunnels or something. Um, but a lot of them don't lead anywhere. We go down this alley and first the guy, it's another guy, he gives us like maybe a gram of weed and it's going to cost us like $50 US. And I was like, this is insane. Like, no way, dude. We're paying like less than that for like a three course meal when we're hanging out at this, in these places. They're very illegal there though. And it's, yeah, it's very illegal. It's so, I mean, I guess I could see where that might be the price as a result though. I could see that, but I was just like, I'll just say no. Which is what Nancy Reagan taught us to say. (laughs) I'm American. I can say no. But as we're doing it, like he, I like, I'm trying to give him the money, and for some reason, I'm like, well, let me see it first. And I'm, like, touching it, and it's stale and just hard and dense. Oh, it's like counterfeit like, money? No, the weed. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> counterfeit weed. I was weed. like, why is he giving you money? But then I'm like, I don't know if I want this. I'm trying to give it back to him. He won't take it back. Oh. But he also doesn't have my money yet. Oh. So I'm confused. Weird. But then <laughs> my buddy, JP, who you know. Yeah, man, we're really incriminating a lot of people here. <laughs> uh. He's coming down. He's straight edge. He's coming down just like aimless, just like, oh, what are you guys doing back here? Is there a shop back here? Are we going to <laughs> A see, drug like, deal strippers? with the sex man? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then behind him, there's two more uh, Thai men coming down behind him. And then my other friend was like, okay, like, we definitely need to just drop this and go. Yeah. Right? So 
I drop it and just like start walking. I got my cash in my hand still. I drop it. I'm just walking away. And those guys are coming in. They're telling us to stop, whatever. And we're just like, ah, we don't speak Thai. We don't know what you're saying. So we just keep walking and we leave. <laughs> when we get out, uh, one of the, the like on the outside, on one side, there's two uniformed officers standing outside as we get out of the tunnel and they like pull us over to the side and they're like talking to us whatever we turn out our pockets we're like what the f and we're just like thank god we dropped it back there yeah, like, no with sure. those other guys and these are real cops not like the these one are at the holiday no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and then we get into a taxi to go home later and now like at this point it's probably it's past 5 a.m and like Nothing good happens past 5 a.m. in the red light district <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fairly, yeah, that's good. I think so, you're right about that. Yeah. I would argue home. maybe midnight. <laughs> <laughs> 11 p.m. maybe. We're going home, though, and there's a traffic stop, and our cab driver keeps looking in the rear view at me, and I'm like, okay, this is feeling a little weird. And then he talks to the, the cops at the traffic stop and they open up the minivan and get all six of us out. Holy shit. And one of my buddies didn't tell us, but he had actually got cocaine from an Australian uh, woman. That's even worse than oh, the goldfish. Oh, yeah. So he's like, what am I going to do with this? He's like, am I going to swallow this bag? Am I gonna? He's like, I'm going to put it in my butt. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. He rips the seat of the back, like the third row of the minivan. As we're all getting out and making commotion, he rips the seat up, like Hulk Hogan's it. Wow. And then shoves it <laughs> under the seat and like slams it back down, gets out with us. They search us. They've taken off our hats and like searching the rims. Uh, and one of my friends really has to pee. And he's just like, he's so far gone at this point. He met a cute girl at this elephant rescue thing that we were at and was like trying to talk to her and all that. So he's so far gone. This story has it all. <laughs> and then we get back in the car and he's and he's like, can I pee? Can I pee? And the cops are laughing at him and they're like, no, no, no. They're like, back in the car. And then we're in the car. So he tries to pee in a water bottle as we're in the car. And all of us are just like dead silent just quiet, trying to get back to our place. Our cab driver is like smiling and laughing as he looks at us in the rear view. And then we get to where we're going. And as we're getting out of the car, I slipped on something. And my friend was trying to pee in the bottle and ended up just peeing all oh. over the back seat of the minivan. So in the end, we won. But, <laughs> yeah. And you had the Coke still, right? I've never touched this stuff. But, no, no, uh, but like was, your friend. Oh, yeah, my friend it got it. It was still in uh, was your still, collective yeah. possession, I guess. So he won, too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he won like, He won big. Yeah. And he didn't even have to put it in his butt. No, no, no. thank God. Man. I told him that. I was like, honestly, I was like, if, if I was going down with you for that, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, now I just don't. I don't care if it's legal. I don't care what it is. If I don't have citizenship there, I'm not yeah, no, I think that's touching a, anything. That's a smart way to go. Yeah. And and now uh, you won't be a suspect anymore because you said that on this podcast. I'm like, well, I guess he's not up to his old ways again. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, but uh, so that but that guy, you know, telling you about uh, the Thai, uh, I guess we'll call it a strip club. Uh, that That wasn't your first interaction with a strip club, right? Oh, no. That was not my first interaction. Would you care to tell us about your first interaction with strip club? Yeah. You know? I like to get real, like, low and somber. when <laughs> this, this brings back a lot of memories. All right. Now, when I was uh, in high school, my senior year of high school, I think uh, me and most of my friends had already, like, chosen what schools we wanted to go to. Um, and most of us wanted to do track. We were gearing up for pen relays. So I never got to do the cool thing that, you know, all the popular kids did, like, go to 
Cancun or wherever <laughs> for uh, spring break because we were always going to pen relays at our school. And it, pen relays is basically like the, for folks who don't follow, <laughs> it is in Philadelphia and it is the University of Pennsylvania's like biggest track meet all year. And it's basically like if the Olympics happened every year in America. Okay. So it's like all the top D1 schools, all the best like class AA uh, high schools, like all that. So the best of the best go there. Even like, you know, all the Jamaican runners and athletes send their folks there to compete. And we were getting ready for that. But we thought it'd be cool to go down to my grandparents and just like take a road trip. It's like 12 hours in North Carolina. And we would stop at all of our different like you know, the, our highest like prospect schools on the, oh, okay. on the like way. See some colleges. Yeah. yeah see some yeah. colleges, run on their tracks for a day <clears throat> and then like get back in the car and keep driving. Very wholesome trip, actually. Yeah. yeah. But, but then of course we got changed. south yeah. and when we were in Walmart, we saw that they sold airsoft guns. Oh. So we were feeling a little hard, you know, 17 years old. <laughs> we were like, yeah, let's, let's go buy a gun at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, so I bought an airsoft gun, my first airsoft gun. I was excited about it. And then on the way to, I think this was actually like almost our last stop. We were going to UNC Chapel Hill, and my uh, on the way to my grandparents, we wanted to get wings or something. So one of my buddies who's in the car, he was a year younger than us. He found uh, this strip club that was like along the way, and he's like, "They say they got the best wings there." So we go over to the strip club. Right now it's probably like dusk. You know, the sun's going down. They probably have better breasts there. <laughs> you, you would think so. And then we're in the parking lot uh, and I'm in my friends like it's an old like Durango like big you know four door Durango and I'm just like chilling in the back and we're going to we're about to head in I'm like hey, you know we gotta be 18 and also like I'm not trying to get in trouble for this or like you know get arrested like it's gonna ruin like the meat is next week we gotta right. be ready to go you know so I'm like I'm staying in the car. I'm not going to let this ruin like my senior year, you know, just being extra cautious. But I kept that thing on me. You know, I'm playing with the airsoft in the backseat, just chilling. <laughs> You're just playing with a gun in the strip club. Yeah. yeah. All right. And they go into the strip club and probably no more than 30 seconds pass. They come bolting out of the place. They almost run this man over coming out of the strip club. <laughs> and I just like hustle up from the back of the Durango up gun. to the front with my gun. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> they were like, you should have seen it. It was awful. She had a goldfish. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so I turn the car on and I'm getting ready. I open the doors for them. They all jump in. They're like, drive, drive. And they're like screaming. They robbed the strip club? I thought so. So I'm like driving away. I'm like, did they tell them like, wait, we, we need your IDs? And they're all like scared so then as i'm driving out i'm like what happened guys like yelling at them and this is like it felt like the world's biggest parking lot because <laughs> it just took so long for right. me to get out of it and i'm like what happened guys and like they're not answering me and then as we're like coming out i get on the throughway and i'm just like flying down the throughway and we pass the parking lot in the strip club and i see a sign that says uh chips Oh. And then there's like a little like hook that points to it and it says, come meet our new dancers. But meat is spelled M-E-A-T. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this so might have been a male strip club. Uh, I, I look think. it up and it turns out yeah. It was a meat club. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All these like 17-year-old boys are now panicking because <laughs> yeah. they just went into a gay strip club. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was sitting in the car with my, <laughs> with your with my fake gun. Oh, my God. 
I'm telling you, that story has it all too. Uh, you were you were in a Joe Jonas music video. Is this correct? Yes, three okay. times in three separate outfits. Actually, whoa! Oh, wow. Same music video, three different Same times. music wow. video. Okay, how how did you get roped into that? Uh, one of my closest friends from high school. He's a director, uh, Zach Williams. He works. Uh, he owns his own production company called Black Coffee. Okay. And they did a lot of like Demi Lovato and Jonas Brothers stuff a long time ago. And then when Joe Jonas started his new band, DNCE, uh, they were reached out to to do the lyric video for that song, uh, "Cake by the Ocean." Okay. Yeah. Um, and when they did it, they did this. There's a speakeasy in Lower Manhattan uh, that I'll, the only sign I'll give you. There's a purple door. And you would go to the purple door and say, cake by the ocean. And then they would let you in. And in the basement, it was just like a very small, like tight venue. Uh, You could probably fit like 50 people uncomfortably in there. And the band was just performing three nights in a row because they were trying to record this lyric video. So they were filming them during the day, driving, you know, on FDR and like, you know, with the top down going through Manhattan. And then at night they would be performing in the basement of the speakeasy. Um, And I got to see all kinds of people like Gigi Hadid was there because she dated Joe Jonas at a point. I saw Gigi Hadid eat a cheeseburger. Wow. Yeah, it was like towards the end of New York Fashion Week that year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was going 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 to town. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, is she going to eat that whole thing? And I watched from the side and she ate the whole thing. I think she left some fries, but you know. Uh, Okay, yeah, you know how it goes. Uh, Uh, Wait, so because it was like through a friend, uh, because your friend was working on the video, uh, I've been in like situations like that where your friend just asks you to do it and then doesn't pay you. Did they pay you though? Oh, I didn't get paid, but Uh, it was. Damn, dude. Joe Jonas owes you some reparations. Yeah. You know, actually, I took a selfie with Joe Jonas. Years later, Whoa. I was walking down the street and saw him when in when he first started dating Sophie Turner. Okay, uh, and I mean, you're really up to date on his his ladies. I mean, <laughs> when, when your friend's yeah, yeah, livelihood right. is directly right. connected to one of those brothers, you got to <laughs> one of those brothers. Oh man! <laughs> but um, they those are the least brother guys. I think they're like, that's the Jonas. Nah, the, bro- the bros are back, man. <laughs> bros are back on tour this summer (laughs) (laughs) oh my god all right but yeah i saw him and i was like hey i was like joe uh i was like you definitely won't remember me but i was like you're i'm friends with zach i was like we went to high school together and like i've seen i've been on a bunch of shoots that you guys have done um and it's just you know it's cool to see you working with those guys and he was like let's take a picture for zach and joe jonas took the selfie (laughs) of us i still have that photo yeah and like you can see his arm clearly holding the phone so i always tell me i'm like yeah i saw joe jonas that nerd wanted a selfie with me did you yeah he asked me for a selfie (laughs) did you post it ever i don't know that i've ever seen that no i didn't that's hilarious joe jonas (laughs) took a selfie with you and you didn't even post it yeah you know did he post it i was busy that or did he just text it to your friend he texted it to my friend oh my god that's amazing it was funny my friend then texted me and was like holy shit dude like (laughs) joe just sent me this i was like yeah but the funny thing is that was when sophie turner had dyed her hair blonde like when i guess they weren't filming game of thrones at the time and i did not recognize her at all so here i am just fucking just ignoring one of the most famous television actresses of my generation to be like, yeah, I'll take a selfie with Joe Jonas while she's like two feet behind us. I got to see this Just picture. being quiet, minding her business. You know what? Get out of the way. You know what? Let's use that as the episode picture. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 I'll send yeah, that. Cool. Right, cool. I don't know if Joe will agree with me. Well, you know, if he, you know, he'll have to reach out just uh, to get us to take it down. Yeah, so. we can always update. Yeah, 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 but yeah, we'll definitely do that. That's so funny. Um, so, but your life isn't all Bermuda trips and ping pong shows. And Joe and Jonas, Joe Jonas music videos. You also, you also, you also have a you know a career uh, and, a, and a good one at that, and you do a lot of good work. Uh, you you previously had worked on a closed Rikers campaign, right? Why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? How long were you there? you know what were you doing that kind of thing yeah um well i was uh i joined that team i'm terrible with years and just time in general but i think it was 2017 um i joined the team at just leadership usa uh and they actually so i was working uh at the aclu of new york at the time and they had asked me if I'd go out to lunch with one of the, you know, campaign directors and the executive director went out to lunch and it kind of they were just like, hey, we see you really trying to get the ACLU to support this campaign and we really appreciate it. But also we wanted to know, like, would you want to roll with our team? And I came back to uh, NICLU. My organization was like, hey, they're offering me uh significantly more than i'm making here can you guys do that and they're like nah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and one of my mentors who uh who was there she was just like take that job <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like e- do it and you know what like if you come back like people leave here and come back all the time sure, yeah i oddly enough i came back in 2022 right. but for those five years yeah i was well what, what, what drew you to that what uh well my family uh you know, is impacted by Rikers in a lot of ways. I had loved ones who are on Rikers, cousins, okay. aunts, uncles, people who were, you know, gang affiliated or uh, using drugs or selling drugs. That's a lot of kind of my family's history with incarceration. But uh, I was kind of just drawn towards it because that is kind of why I got into this line of work, mm-hmm. uh, racial justice and also like prison abolition. So I was drawn to it when I was at the ACLU, but then there was just more of an opportunity to work on conditions of confinement and kind of specifically this campaign that was led by uh, survivors of Rikers Island. So people who had survived Rikers Island or lost loved ones um, right. to the violence on Rikers. So I was just like, you know, this is what I want to do. It's also an opportunity to like run a historic campaign. Like that campaign is known internationally. Mm-hmm. It was really exciting. Um, and I think it really, you know, a lot of, I think, nonprofits and organizers just in general in America now, like, will always talk about centering the voices of impacted communities. But like, I will say, like, in my many years, I've only seen a few places really do that authentically. Mm-hmm. And like, to the degree of that Close Rikers campaign, where it's like, y- you could see, dozens of different voices um, who had lived experience of mass incarceration um, just like using their story and their power to shape the future for New Yorkers so it was just like dope to kind of be a part of that Um, and yeah I just took the opportunity did that for some years got laid off fundraised started a new organization kept doing it uh, and then decided I want to have kids so that's why we moved up to the Hudson Valley, back to the Hudson Valley. Uh, what what was the name of the organization uh, that you worked for on for the Rikers stuff, though? So the two different organizations. One was Just Leadership USA, okay, and that was the organization that launched the Close Rikers campaign. And then after we secured the vote in city council to reduce the citywide jail footprint 
from uh, 14 jails to four jails, from over capacity for over 15,000 jail beds to less than 4,000. We got laid off (laughs) the following year, August 2020. Mm -hmm. And then me uh, and Sarita Daftery, Darren Mack, Vidal Guzman, uh, some of the organizers I was working with at Just Leadership, we went and launched Freedom Agenda. Okay. Which is still an organization at the Urban Justice Center. Okay. In so people Manhattan. can people can find all these things. Yeah, people and can find volunteer, agenda, contribute, whatever. Volunteer, yeah. yeah. Cool. Right now they're preparing to uh, try to shrink the Department of Corrections budget and hold them accountable. Um, you know, there's been man, I I'm a little bit removed from the work right now, but there's been over 20 folks have died yeah. um, during Eric Adams' tenure as mayor right. on Rikers. Um, so, and they announced they were going to be uh, less forthcoming with like information about that kind of thing, right? Like, didn't they just say like we're not going to tell the the media when bad things happen here anymore? It's like, yeah, how is that your fucking response? Yeah. It's like try to prevent the bad things from yeah. happening. Yeah. How about that? Don't shit? just pretend yeah. they don't exist, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's just a shitty like yeah, it's a shitty situation all around, and uh, like they're they're supposed to close it. Right, like, isn't that a thing? Yeah, so they're supposed to be on track to close it by 2027. Um, And actually, legally, uh, we did pass a mandate in the city council in 2019 that they must uh, transfer all of the uh, facilities that are on Rikers, the detention facilities, transfer that to the Department of Citywide Administrative Services, DCAS, um, as a part of a renewable infrastructure project. So as we decarcerate and continue to reduce the citywide jail population, there is a legal mandate for them to also start to transfer some of those facilities so they can never fill them again. Are there still people in there on marijuana charges? Um, or no. they pretty much get like once it was legalized, pretty much like did the right thing, got all those guys out of there. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was as streamlined. No, no, for <laughs> sure. Anything, yeah, for the was... most part, there are no longer folks who are detained on low-level offenses. Um, it, it In some unique situations, people can still be, and that's because, um, so, for example, if you are sentenced to a city year, so a sentence of a year or less, right. you'll serve that full sentence at Rikers, at Rikers yeah. rather than being sent upstate or, right. you know, anywhere else. Um, and then also... Uh, there are people who are just awaiting trial and may have, you know, a uh, warrant out for, uh, you know, tickets that were unpaid or another charge that they never went, showed up to court for. So in those cases, it may still be a low level offense, but because you had a warrant out and now you don't have, you know, you, you don't have the option for bail, uh, you can still be detained pretrial. Um but ultimately, the population has shrunk significantly. Uh, and it's crazy. We're at over a two-to-one ratio of corrections officers to people in custody. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine <laughs> how we're dumping billions of dollars into this broken system and just won't lay off some of the most brutal <laughs> employees in city yeah, agency history yeah, that's wild. Um, um yeah. so but then so you you mentioned you you currently are at the new york civil liberties union um what what are you doing there what, what are you what are you focused on there yeah i'm the i'm currently uh the assistant director of eastern new york and i that's air, like area you live in right uh well technically you partially yes i when i first went i was uh just director of hudson valley okay now i supervise folks in uh, Long Island in both Nassau and Suffolk County, some folks in New York City, Hudson Valley, uh, and I used to supervise folks in Capital Region. But okay. basically, if there's campaigns or work being done on the eastern side of New York, 
I've got some role in helping support kind of the budgeting and strategy and support for the staff who are doing that. What's a day like for you? Oh, man. That's hard to say. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm one. I'm a person who likes that every day is different, okay, right? Cool. I would yeah. hate a job where every day was a routine where I knew what I was getting into. But um, fielding phone calls um, or intakes about, you know, civil rights or civil liberties issues that people are facing in the state, um, specifically in Hudson Valley, and then supporting folks in other areas. We've been doing a lot of migrant response work mm -hmm. um, because of the migrant crisis. There's a lot of asylum seekers or newly arriving immigrants coming to New York City and now being sent and relocated to different counties outside of New York City. Right. Orange County and Rockland County were two counties where they actually declared a state of emergency mm -hmm. and said that they were banning any newly arriving immigrants from seeking shelter in those counties. Our organization successfully sued and got a, a it's it is a great decision, but it's not going to stop other counties from trying right. to do the wrong thing. Yeah. But ultimately, we got a decision from the courts in Orange and Rockland County that uh, it is illegal for any county to just have an unconstitutional ban on immigrants right. in their region. So. Um, doing a lot of support around that. Um, and then local campaigns, you know, trying to stop the use of no-knock warrants at different police departments throughout the state. We have a really exciting 50A uh, data project where we have all disciplinary records from police departments throughout the state, including New York State Police, that we're going to be unveiling this summer um, to help support some of the local police accountability campaigns. Do you, are you able to, uh, cause I mentioned, you mentioned like you do, did a lot of organizing work before. And then also you mentioned that like, you know, you used that skill that you had even at an earlier age to be able to afford your, uh, trip to Costa Rica. Uh, are, are you still able to use some of those skills, the organizing skills in, in your current job? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the thing I love about my job now is that I, my wife and I are always saying like, we want to achieve the medium chill. So okay. get to a point where like you do what you love, but you don't let that consume who you are. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're, I feel like in this role, I'm finally getting to that point where like, you know, I'm able to support the lifestyle that, you know, my wife and I want. We're building a house up in the mountains in the Catskills. We're going to have kids, you know, I'm able to do all of that, but also still support local organizing and, you know, organizers that I supervise and manage who want to, you know, empower people in their communities. So I still get to use all those skills, but I'm in more of like a permanent mentorship role rather than being the organizer in the streets and kind of leading, you know, the rallies and things like that. I'm a little bit more behind the scenes, but, you know, I'm happy that I was able to get here and, you know, learn what it's like to be on the ground. You mentioned uh, moving away. Uh, you had an epic uh, moving away party, we're, we're, and we're, we're getting here to the end. But real quick, tell us about the the going away party that you had. Yeah, we. Uh, well, first, I my favorite event, um, and something that I hope to recreate upstate and maybe get them to support. But uh, Don Will, uh, producer slash DJ artist um, and comedian, um, and then. Uh, Wyatt Sinek, um, yep. who folks may know from, you know. I was going to say, if you remember Donwell, but not Wyatt Sinek's <laughs> name, I was like, uh, no. <laughs> one of those guys is a lot more famous than the other, but all right. <laughs> uh, they, they put on my favorite event in the history of New York. Like when I 
tell when I tell people like, you know, what hurt most in the pandemic, it was not being able to go first Thursday of every month to Alamo Draft House in downtown Brooklyn and see Shouting at the Screen. And it was an event they did where they would uh, screen black exploitation films that they curated and then do like live commentary with hot mics in the back of the theater. Um, and it was just great to like have drinks and eat dinner and just watch black exploitation movies, but hear these like, you know, people who like actually analyze and study this genre of films cracking jokes and you know they're also good comedians like just cracking jokes in the back so that's what we did for our going away uh party one of my favorite movies is uh black dynamite yeah Have you seen that, oh, oh my god yeah. it's so funny yeah and it's so satire good. of yeah, black exploitation yeah, right. yeah. but yeah, yeah. i was like let's do this you know because it'll expose people to like this genre a little bit um and they agreed to do it and they were like yeah we'll come and we'll do it um and they hadn't done it like the whole pandemic and then like November 2021, uh, we made a whole movie poster with my friend Zach, yeah. the director of the mm -hmm. Joe Jonas we, stuff. We had a Black Dynamite poster in my college dorm room back oh, in yeah, nice. like 2003. Nice, oh, if you could find that, I'd pay good money for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we made our own like joke poster for that, and the title of our black exploitation movie was uh, Bye Bye Brooklyn, because yeah. we were moving ah. out of Bed-Stuy. Yep. Uh, and our tagline that I am still so proud of coming up with was, New city, same bullshit. <laughs> and then my friend just like photoshopped all this crazy stuff with me, my wife, our cat, just like <laughs> chaos. And like, I remember the, in one uh, in part of the photo, I'm holding the gun, but my trigger finger is reversed. So like I'm bending it backwards. Oh. But we were like, yeah, sneak in some of those mistakes that like <laughs> black exploitation as a genre is just known for like some of those campy mistakes. But yeah, so they made jokes. Um, and it I was, was glad fun time. you guys came out. It yep. was funny. Yeah. Um, so uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Yeah, I mean, well, where do you want people to find you? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a better question. Um, well, I'm private on Instagram, so that's useless for you. Okay. But, uh, but you, do you still have the Travel Heads? Uh, is that the YouTube account? I do not have my Travel Heads YouTube. No. Oh, okay. I think well, I, the trauma of almost dying in Bermuda has, <laughs> has stopped that. Uh, All right. Well, where do you want, do you want people to find you? If you don't want people to find you, that's fine too. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, if you want to find me and support me, uh, I'm on YouTube uh, and I make tabletop and you know board game card game all kinds of hobby game videos under mr board gamer mr board gamer yeah, that's okay. all one word all uh, right uh, mr spelled out not mr yeah, mr spelled out mr spelled out all mr. one word mr board gamer well bj unless you have anything else to plug do you have anything else to plug i mean you know i when i go to cafe and people tell me it's chai but it's chai concentrate i get upset so stop that's using chai really concentrate plug. it's more that's of a it's just yeah. kind of a gripe a well i got a few more of those people who take bird <laughs> pictures of dead birds and then post them to social media you're weird stop it uh people who like leave the window open when you sleep on a flight like that's also kind of weird oh, to me the worst. yeah because i don't want to reach over you and close it and like disturb yeah. you but uh uh, and people who just like snap their seat forward on a flight without looking at like is the person behind you using their tray or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so really these are more pet too. peeves than plugs. But yeah. uh, well, we appreciate you being here, BJ. Thanks for doing the show, man. Really appreciate <laughs> Thanks. it. Thanks. Good, Good night, everybody. <laughs>
If you like what you've heard, please like, follow, and write a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like it, please keep listening to it, but keep your opinions to yourself. If you really liked it, you can find bonus episodes over on our Talking Schmidt Patreon page. Membership is just $5 per month, and it goes a long way to buy us the equipment and bourbon we need. Thanks in advance, and hope you're doing great.